Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. Quick announcement or disclaimer, should I say. This is the first time I was recording at a studio where I was on I was in charge of the butters and all sorts. And I thought let me be clever, make sure the volume is proper high so it's clear. And unfortunately I kinda botched it. <laughs> so there's gonna be a few screeching sounds throughout the duration of the podcast, so I really apologize for the sound quality. If you're a first time listener, this is not um a repeated offence. Usually my podcasts are pretty clear. But please, um it's not unbearable and like it's a very good podcast me and my boy Dan we have a very good discussion with regards to gender pay and equal pay and it's a conversation that's very important for our society especially in terms of moving forward we never have an honest discussion because um, sometimes we have a bit of um, I what I like to say is gender jihad so ladies um, can sometimes be like they only want to hear a certain point of view that kind of reinforces their point and men even though um, will want to hear a point that reinforces that their stance on it and some and it's just really dishonest and annoying so i think we had a very good honest discussion and um, damini is quite expert in terms of the actual collating of the data for equal pay which is the most important thing and obviously i have my own strengths and i should have no weaknesses i'm perfect but yeah i hope you enjoyed this podcast and again apologies for the sound hello and welcome back to episode 37 of the disunomics podcast Shout out to the people who listened to the previous one, RE Marriage, Weddings and Tax. It was funny on social media when I was dropping the figures about how much the average ring costs <laughs> and how much the average wedding costs, and people were rattled. The way the girls were rattled, them dams about the average ring price. I was like, what? Only three bags? Yeah. <laughs> it was lit. And when people saw how much weddings cost, people's heads yeah. were spinning. So Absolutely. make sure you check that out. I also discussed the tax benefits of marriage and also some figures regarding how many people are, are cohabiting, how many people never get married or cohabit, and many, many more. So check that out. But anyway, this is episode 37. This has been a long time coming with my boy Dams. Yeah. Okay, Damini. So okay. Well, introduce yourself. What do you like to do? It's <laughs> um, <laughs> a random question. Um, well, not so random, but yeah, my name's Damini. Um, I work in, I studied HR and now I work in kind of rewards specifically. Um, and since I work in reward, I do a lot of equal pay um, and gender pay type stuff. So I did the equal pay and gender pay audit at UCL. I designed the diversity study when I was working for Aon um, for our clients in the financial services sector. And now I'm working for ACAS, which is a public sector body. And again, I'll be doing an equal pay audit there. But like I said, I generally deal with various reward matters within HR. So this is man who knows his, his stuff, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, so we mean to do a podcast about various topics. I'm sure we're going to get through a bunch of topics over the course of my podcast. Not this one, because people have things to do. But <laughs> across the episodes and that. But yeah, this one, we're going to discuss gender pay gap and equal pay, the differential between the two, and then we'll see where the Holy Ghost takes us for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> but um, firstly, um, let's discuss what, the gender pay gap is and then we'll discuss what equal pay is how they're different and then we get into the nuances and the causation and correlation and all the different Asians cool. in the stance we are cool so in your so how would you define the gender pay gap okay so I'll, I'll take a step back first and foremost like the um, government legislated um, last year maybe a bit longer maybe a bit um, longer than that 
um, that all companies that employ over 250 people mm. need to publish their gender pay gap statistics. Um, they need to look at what the mean gender pay gap is, the median, um, look at how people fall into different quartiles and so on and so forth. I can get into that later, but um, basically what the gender pay gap itself is, is looking at across an organisation, what's the average pay of men? And what's the average pay of women? Mm. So um, the gender pay gap itself is kind of more reflective of distributions of staff in an organisation. So, for example, if you've got lots of men at the top of an organisation and lots of women at the bottom of an organisation, you're going to have a big gender pay gap. Um, and vice versa, if you've got lots of women at the top of an organisation um, and um, lots of men at the bottom of the organisation, of the organisation in terms of proportions, you're going to have an inverse gender pay gap where you're seeing that women, on average, get paid more than men do. So there's two metrics, like I said, that they generally, well, not generally, that they ask um, companies to report on. There's the mean and there's the median. For those that aren't so familiar with averages, the mean is when you add up all the all the numbers together. So in this case, we're talking about salaries. So when you add up all the salaries together and divide by the amount of salaries. So again, if there's 100 women in an organisation, you add up the total of their salaries and divide it by 100 and that'll give you the mean figure. Whereas the median is um, basically the middle number. So out of the 100, what is number 50? Um, you use these different numbers for different reasons. Um, the means are generally... A mean will kind of... Um, it, it, Obviously, it's, it's, it's an average figure. It, it gives you quite an accurate picture of, of what things are like, but at the same time, it can be skewed by... Higher earning or, by really, high earners or, really, low earners. or real, really low earners, Seems which the median's like. not likely to be um, as reflective of. So, yeah, there's, there's pros and cons of using both, and often, actually, when you look at these figures, particularly in a large organisation, you see quite a large gap between the two of them. Mm. So when I did the gender pay audit um, at UCL... Um, I think I don't want to give the exact numbers, but the difference between the the median and the mean was like almost like thirteen percent or something like that. And for those who know um, maths, thirteen percent differential is very very significant. Yeah, it is. It is. But again, that's because the two numbers are telling you two different things. Mm. Um, when when we looked at the the gap for when we looked at the gap by mean, the reason why it was so big is because you had quite a few male height. Um, earners at the top who mm. skewing the average figure yeah. so when, when you then looked at the mean the difference between the means it was massive whereas when you looked at medians which is almost like where not quite where most people are concentrated but kind of where the midpoint is for all men and for all women the number was much closer together it's mad so that is um gender pay gap um, in terms of the numbers in society so I was doing my Googles and we have that a lot of the, the better data tends to come from the ONS. They use yeah. they look at um, the average um, salary or wage for people per weekly per hour. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's a differential um, in twenty in April twenty seventeen. The gender pay gap based on median hourly, as we discussed, median mm -hmm. for full time employees decreased to nine point one percent between male and um, men and women, which mm -hmm. is apparently the lowest since the survey began, which was in nineteen ninety seven. So in twenty years this is the lowest. Which obviously quite a lot of people still protest about. Um you know me and you we we are quite similar also we vary in our opinion. I'm not the mess I'm not the biggest fan of gender pay gap discussions because I feel like they kind of yield silly um um, silly um, discussions a lot of people um, mis um, misread correlation and causation mm -hmm. and and it also it becomes like almost like a weapon of political mm -hmm. um, higgy hagger <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying for lack of a better phrase but I do believe that there's a discussion to be had and I feel like sometimes people draw false conclusions so when you look at the gender um, pay gap um, oh, yeah, I, want to add that. I think equal pay is a lot more yeah, so to describe what, what equal pay is then, equal pay is when you look at two people who are doing the same job, what is the pay differential between them? So yeah. if me and I are both, um, I don't know, economists at the same bank, um, at the same level, um, what is the pay gap between us? Quick question, um, as, you, as you, this is your field. When, see equal pay, 
when you look at equal pay calculations and whatnot, mm-hmm. does that take into account um, expertise and skill, or is it just strictly same job, same role? Same? So, I mean, really, it's, it's about same job, same role. Mm. The honest truth is, is that it's too hard. To... Well, not not just that. Is that in general, if if your organization is good and has good like HR structures and employees at the right in the right way and promotes people in the right way, you're not really going to see people doing the same job who have really different skill levels but reality is like i'm sure you've seen that you've probably been especially you've been in your career for let's say three three to five years yeah no need to i know i'm bad bail up your life but anyway. right. <laughs> three to five years and i'm because i know you i'm pretty yeah. sure that you've been in roles and you are definitely more able than so I, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely say that there, there have been roles where i definitely feel more able than others and so mm. on and so forth but again um when you look at a company on an aggregate level, mm. you can really only base it on the job that they're yeah, doing. Yes, yeah. Um, it, it's 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 too much detail to be mm. going into. To, yeah, to, it is, uh, it like is. you're really not going to get any meaningful. I, I think this is why um, this is why um, I get more. a bit annoyed at how much emphasis people who don't really who don't um, put on some of the things that come out. Which I first of all, great work by the people who come um, compute them. People like you and I don't really like you, but maybe your colleagues and that. But um, I feel like if you it's one thing to have the data in front of you, but I think where the real intelligence shows is how you analyse the data. And I think that sometimes we don't think beyond stage one. Yeah, we can see a gap, but then you have to think about what the factors. And then when I think we play, obviously we see in society today, a lot of when we see these numbers, we just see, okay, this number is a lot higher than this number. And they're both two different groups of people divided by gender. They must is is down to foul play in terms of sexism. But before before you go in, I'm not saying that sexism doesn't exist. And yeah. I'm definitely not saying that sexism doesn't play a part in terms of people being discriminated on salary. I think it will be very um, naive to believe it doesn't play a part. That's like me. That's like that's like me believing that my race, being a black Nigerian, as um, hasn't got hasn't had an impact on my career in my terms of potential salary mm. negotiations or whatnot. But I do. But I think what one of my biggest pet peeves is that there isn't enough analysis in terms of the mainstream discussion of this. Because there is, in, in yeah. most of the studies I read, but in the mainstream discussion, analysis in terms of difference between part-time workers, full-time workers, number of hours worked, um, career choice and stuff, which, which so, we're going to we get into what, anyway. Yeah, what, what I'll say is that certainly in terms of, t- t- to your point just now about part-time workers, full-time, in terms of equal pay and gender pay in general, things are assessed on an hourly rate mm. so that you're comparing things like for like. Mm. Because otherwise... You're not, again, you're not really comparing like for like figures. Um, so generally, we look at things at an hourly rate, yeah, which is more, um, which is more consistent. Um, what I'll say in terms of equal pay is that obviously different organisations have different practices. I'd say certainly in the public sector, the higher education sector, the charity sector, um, organisations tend to have very strict pay banding structures. Yes. So it means that um, you know anyone on everyone's employed to a particular grade mm. anyone on that grade makes between x amount and y amount yeah, um, they might get incremental pay progressions every year their salary goes up by a certain amount mm-hmm. or they might get percentage increases or whatever so it means that when you look into these types of organizations um generally you're much less likely to see an equal pay issue you might see mm. a gender pay issue in terms of overall mm. men versus women but in terms of equal pay you're less likely to see an issue because again really when you do the audit you're looking by the band yeah and when you're looking by the band since there's only a range that people can generally be on mm-hmm. that te- that tends to be reflected the way it is um however in the private sector whole different ball game whole different ball game bands bands don't, bands generally have a minimum salary and no mm. upper limit mm. um, and the upper limit is dependent on kind of somebody's personal negotiations or it, it, it literally could be depending on where they came from and what Facts. their salary was before Facts. it can be dependent on so many different factors um, and so um, because of that in the private setting you're much more likely to see bigger variances in the in the gap between um, how men are paid and how women are paid, or against. To be honest, you're you're likely to see bigger variances in in within a band. Full stop. Just because people can get paid pretty much whatever they negotiate to. You know, from your point. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. That that being said, I, I just want to take a step back again. I, I, like I said, I, I work in I work in reward. So when I worked in the private sector, I was kind of on the um, 
we used to produce salary surveys for mm. financial services firms. Mm. So what we do basically is we go out to all of our clients. We'd have a look at what they pay. Um, there's, we we had a list of every job description you could possibly think of, mm. and we go to our clients and say, all right, match your staff to one of these job descriptions. Um, tell us how much you pay them. What's their base? What's their bonus? What's their if they get long-term incentives what's that if they get cash but all, all their different ways of getting paid what are these things we then take all that data aggregate it and then come up with a this is what the average salary is this mm. is what the high quarter title is this is what the low quarter is for this role so in most industries there is a salary survey mm. um and so that for for whatever you're doing in a lot of organisations, I won't say all, but most of the larger organisations tend to use these salary surveys mm. to try and determine how much they pay their pay staff. You. Now, one thing to say is that when you look at the... Um, and this kind of goes to your point about gender pay and so on and so forth, but when you look at um, the salaries of different different staff in an organisation, particularly in the public higher education and charity sector, sometimes you just can't afford to employ people within the limit of the band. Mm. So to give an example, like I said, I used to work in higher education um, and there, economists, if you, if you lecture in um, economics, you're going to get paid way more than someone who lectures in pretty much anything else. Mm. Um, in fact, all the business study type um, disciplines they've got a pay premium on them mm. so what what organizations do is that they'll have a look at these salary surveys they'll find out what the market value is for this position and then they'll have what they call a market supplement which is basically to bring up to bring people's individual individual salaries up to, to the market, market rate um so that's a kind of allowance or mm. it's not really a bonus but it's a kind of an allowance and it's reviewed every couple of mm. years against what these salary surveys mm. are now where you kind of see these issues in terms of like um, gender pay disparities is really to do with discipline mm. so um, what we find is that a lot of uh, male dominated industries tend to have um, tend to demand higher market premium mm. rates so for example again for looking at education um, subjects like economics like finance like engineering STEM. like management STEM like STEM these, these command quite high market mm. rates and they tend to be overwhelmingly um, male dominated, male dominated. Um, on the other hand subjects like sociology like social psychology or psychology or like all these other all these other disciplines a lot of the social science disciplines um, for example or, or the arts disciplines they don't tend to um, have a a market supplement attached to them and so again when when you then look at things from an equal pay perspective it's not uncommon to see a large gap but mm. or not a large gap but a gap mm. again the point is and i guess this is going to your point it's about having an honest discussion about mm. why these things exist now there is a discussion to be had as to why we do value certain subjects over other subjects mm. how 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 male dominated subjects have managed to get a to demand a higher market premium um, over less male-dominated subjects. But certainly when we look at the data and when we look at how organisations pay people, for the most part, particularly within these organisations that have a strict pay um, band structure, um, it more tends to be around re reflective of what the market rate is mm. um, rather than kind of internal mm, discrimination. discrimination. Yeah. Um, when, I was, when you were discussing the bands in terms of the public sector... Yeah. Um, some data I, sh I saw that the, um, the pay gap between in the private sector mm. is considerably higher than the pay gap between the public sector, which obviously yeah. makes sense with the bands. So, for example, um, the, the full-time pay gap, gender pay gap for full-time employees in the private sector decreased from 16.7% in 2016 to 15.9%. Whereas if you look at the public sector, it's actually at 13.1%. So, so are we talking gender pay or equal pay? Yeah, gender pay. Gender, pay. Pay, gender pay. When okay. I look at equal pay, I didn't really see that. Well, if, if I, to be honest, you're, you're less likely to find information about equal pay. Yeah, because, it's very hard. Because it's, it's, it's internal. It's internal. Know, it's, it's, internal. Very, it's very difficult to equalise between what a, what an admin assistant in across the United Kingdom see, is because different industries, different organisations are going to pay very different see, rates. See, this is when, when I say when I'm less um what's the word when i i can become across as quite dismissive yeah when i see some of the articles that come out from places like the guardian or whatnot and it's not because i do not care about the issue i'm more i'm accuracy guy of anything so i know that if you're going to compare somebody's salary in terms of discrimination 
you're going to have to take account for as much variables as possible. Mm. And it's very difficult to do that on a macro level. Yeah. You can't, like, you can't, you, um, like, the office and that, the ONS can only yeah. get data from what the companies put out. Though, sorry, what, what I would say, though, is that when we look at pay bands and band instructions, mm. so on and so forth, to be honest, that, that doesn't... Ha- that's not going to really reflect much in what you see in terms of the gender pay gap. Mm. Because, again, the gender pay gap is aggregate. It really mm. doesn't matter what the bands are. Mm. It's just all men, that, that, all women. That, that's, that's what now, what I'll say is that when, when you look at the public sector, when you look at the charity sector, when you look at, sorry, the third sector, when you look at higher education, um, these organisations tend to be uh, under a lot more scrutiny. scrutiny. They tend to, they're less profit-focused. Yeah. Um, they're more likely to have much more family friendly um, work life balance work life balance flexible hours and so on and so forth and they're more likely to have targets in place to reduce things like gender pay equal pay gap Uh, private organisations I guess with stuff like the um uh, what do you call it with um, mandatory gender pay gap reporting mm. private organisations are now having are, are literally being forced to have a look at these things mm. but historically their number one priority is just to make money, money. Yeah, um, and so kind of looking at all these things isn't really as much of a priority for them mm. and I think that's really what you see reflected in mm. those statistics yeah. as to why in in these non-private basically the non-private sector you're much less likely to see larger gaps mm. than in the private okay, sector okay cool so i want to have that discussion on why we may see gaps anyway yeah. but like, um, i wanted to shoot you my theory um so um and i went to a talk at lsc like maybe a year ago maybe two like it was like a kind of like a it was like a feminist driven discussion mm. which some people might su- be surprised even though because I, I don't openly subscribe to any movement i don't subscribe to feminism mm. men's rights black lives matter because i don't really want to be attached to a certain movements yeah, that people assume my like force is your way of thinking yeah my way of thinking is my way of thinking i mm. could i could write for the ideology but mm. i mean i write for the movement so yeah so i went because i was interested I was like, okay cool it's gonna be intelligent intelligent people mm. so we um there was a a um a judge a woman who worked in media and an economist a PhD economist from LSE and then another lady I can't remember what she did so these like shout so, to LSE yeah these are like they always do great events for free so people Amazing check events. Yeah. make sure you check it out yeah so I went there they'll make them so they'll discuss um, all types of issues that um, relate to women some issues I didn't really take in so one of the ladies who worked in media she was like if you look at I think I can't remember the, the other lady in the conservative this was when Theresa May was going for the job so it was between her and some I can't remember the name and she was talking about how it was depicted in the media and she was talking about all the headlines it was all like the heels off cat fight da, da, da. Mm. when it's like um, Ed Miliband versus David Miliband or something like that yeah. you don't there's there, a different narrative there's a different narrative yeah. so and that kind of shows like an inherent bias which mm-hmm. that's how I learned isn't it but I asked, I I shot my theory to them in terms of like the gender pay discussions, and when I shot like, they didn't really say anything because they I don't think they ever really heard that theory. I'm not saying I'm a genius or anything. Mm. So my theory is like, cool, if we look at uh, pay, in that in certain industries, certain industries pay a lot higher than some industries. So if you're in chemeng, if you're in investment banking, if you're in IT and consultancy, they pay considerably more mm-hmm. than let's say if you're in um, let's say social teaching or whatnot mm-hmm, simply mm-hmm. because those gen- those industries actually generate money so if you're a banker your job mm-hmm, is to mm-hmm. generate money or whatnot so if you look at education so if you look at the career path to get to those disciplines you then look at university and when i look at university in terms of like um the demographics of the people who attend those courses they're quite male dominant and then i looked at some figures and shout out a young lady called annette she's um she does econ. Um, she does. He has an economics blog. I will link it to my podcast. She did a, a article on like the entrepreneurship in Africa, which is growing for women, mm-hmm. and she was showing how like women are more interested in tech and more like to be entrepreneurs by like doubled percentage rates in like Ghana, Nigeria, all these regions, than in the UK and mm-hmm. Germany, which kind of tied back into a study that I saw a couple of years back, where in China, India, Nigeria they were surveying like loads of potential university students and like let's say it was like 8 out of 10 7 out of 10 wanted to do like all the STEM subjects all the higher um, yielding high yielding degree subjects mm-hmm. whereas in the UK France Germany it was a lot lower like 3, 4 so I'm thinking is there is there a condition that goes on maybe in the western world where we kind of push 
the males to certain disciplines yeah. and the males to certain and yeah so so most I mean most definitely I, I think, I think, that's, that's think about, about, if you think about school like I remember like so girls were kind of pushed towards like the arts and the yeah. boys were kind of pushed to math. Yeah, no, I mean I mean that's 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 undeniable. I mean, um that's why you have a lot of a lot of um organizations that try to do stuff around closing the gender pay gap. Mm. A lot of their work is around kind of education, mm. looking at getting women and girls into STEM into STEM so science, technology, engineering and maths, mm. I think that's what STEM stands for. Um, or into medicine and so on and so forth. There are definitely kind of I guess gender roles that we see in society is like men are more likely to be doctors women are more likely to be nurses um and and or rather the stereotype yeah and you hardly ever or it's not that you hardly ever see male nurses but it's kind of a bit more taboo um and so on and so forth so there is a gender there's like kind of uh gendered I don't know what we're almost socially conditioned to yeah, think that certain certain genders are so associated. It's to funny that you spoke about um, that, that last point because do you remember when there was a um, a person that worked at Google and he had a memo and then he got a lot of stick for it. Yeah, I actually thought the memo was actually quite good. Apart from some part, I like the memo. So I was reading through it again, like um, this week, and he spoke about how fem- with the rise of feminism, they've done a very good job in kind of breaking down the f- um, the female role, so it's a lot more diverse. You don't have to fit in certain parameters yeah whereas the male role is a lot more rigid and we discuss this quite um often how males we kind of just take what we're given from society there's a lot of there's a lot of bad that is given to as a man and we just kind of like deal with it so mm-hmm. he was discussing that maybe if we see the male role and, and maybe if we see society make it a bit more acceptable for male to be more feminine so some of the characteristics are attributed to women like collaboration um being a bit more emotional, being a bit more caring, maybe we'll see different patterns. And I think, yeah. and I think that's a very good point because if if you look at the work life balance, I always have this theory that women are a lot more smarter than men yeah. when they make the work life balance. That's why they outlive us. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you, that's something you and Ifa were talking about. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Podcast, if, right, yeah. Like for example, work deaths. Yeah. To, women are not like the overwhelmingly. Work. Women don't work yeah. in dangerous places. Yeah. Workplace deaths are ninety seven percent male. male. Yeah, you spoke about that. In yeah, the, yeah, ninety seven percent because male will work in more dangerous places. Yeah. And also, like um, another person, I, remember, I can't remember his name. He's a very smart lecturer. He said, "We always talk about why we don't see women in these high flying jobs." He yeah. said, "We don't discuss enough why." Are men crazy enough to do these to jobs do these? in the first and place? And you got when you look at the valuation, and I've said this on my podcast, so all this number listeners they know. Men tend to be valued on status, resourcefulness, so that's your finances, mm-hmm. and women tend to be more valued on aesthetics, that's their looks, their mm-hmm. beauty, mm-hmm. and their ability to nurture. Mm-hmm. If, as a man, you you've already been conditioned that your status, your value in the market is very. Um, very positively correlated with your status and your mm-hmm. earning potential, you're going to have a higher drive to strive for these jobs. Yeah. If you look at the high flying jobs, the jobs are reaping you six figures. Yeah. Like, like let's say you're a partner, a law firm, a yeah. partner, a counsel firm. You're working crazy hours. Seventeen hours. Crazy stress. You're fl- like, yeah. I've seen some people in companies I've been. They're never in the UK. Yeah. They are flat. They're working seventy yeah. hour weeks. I work thirty seven point five and, and my body's twitching by three thirty yeah. on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine working double that. No, I hear that. You're you're leaving the house at six. Yeah. You're coming home at like ten eleven. Yeah. Bear in mind you're likely to have a family because fifty one percent of people above sixteen to um above age sixteen are married yeah. and the higher earners, um the top twenty five percent earners or I think it's top ten percent, I can't remember. It was on my last podcast, so please. Yeah. <laughs> um eighty four percent of them are married. So yeah. These men are likely to have at least a spouse yeah. and children. They're not seeing their kids. They're not seeing their yeah. their, their, their their missus. Yeah. They work. It. That's why there's high levels of stress. How many times have you heard somebody throwing themselves off the building yeah, of Canary yeah. Wolf? Yeah, yeah. No, how many yeah, times yeah. have you seen yeah. in, in, in Yeah, so I think this is something that's think this something underplayed. I mean, I mean, what I'll say to that is that I, I think you're definitely right. And if I'm honest, that obviously I wasn't at that discussion at LSE, but I'd be surprised if the women didn't. Um, who were listening to your question didn't say yeah that's, that's absolutely what, 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 what woman said something yeah and yeah, it was just also I can't I think it was the it was actually the economic professor as well yeah. and I was pretty pretty disappointed in this answer because I think instead of like, the other lady they kind of took it in I was like right okay cool that's a quite a good point but, but I, if I'm honest I'm surprised they said that because that that's a well known like really the gender pay gap is a societal pro- it's not it's it's less of an issue of individual discrimination it's a society and thing. more of an issue of society and this is something obviously 
kind of before this, I guess I kind of got invited on this because of the rant I went on on Twitter. Mm. Um, and I was talking about is that when when organisations do publish their gender pay gap statistics, we've got to understand that the issues that we're seeing in the organisation are really more reflective of wider societal issues rather than because of acts of discrimination mm. within an organisation. In gen and and also on top of that, because these things are so. I guess endemic within society, kind of overturning these things. It's it's not an overnight Next thing job, at it's all. It's, it's it's something that is going to take years, possibly like pr- probably generations. Because yeah, you have to really, retrain. You have to retrain. You have to retrain society. Even when you do retrain society. So here's a good example. For example, you'd think the best way to 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 um to address your gender pay gap, which is what a lot of um, higher education institutions are doing. I can't really talk about the public sector because I've only just joined, but a lot of higher education um, institutions are doing is focus on rec- uh, recruiting and promoting women into um, professorial positions, um, which is good because, of course, then you have a higher concentration of women in in the higher levels, and in turn it means that your overall gender pay gap statistics are better mm. okay you improve you improve the gender pay gap but then you might cause issues in terms of the equal pay gap mm. because what now happens is that you've got all of these relatively junior women getting pushed into a position of professorship mm. with men who've been doing it for 20 30 years who've built up an international reputation who've mm. got tons of money and so on and so forth or who, who are already paid at the top of the scale mm. And when you've got all these women coming in at the bottom of the scale, when you then look at the professorial population, mm. you've then got an even wider gap than it was before because mm. you just put all these women into the bottom. So a lot of a lot of the kind of remedies for the gender pay gap, things are going to get worse before they get better, better yeah. because quite literally there's only so much you can do. Again, what I was talking about earlier in terms of a lot of charities and organisations that are trying to address the gender pay gap, they look about they look into getting women and girls into um, STEM subjects. If you're studying a STEM, if if they're starting now to get women into STEM subjects when they're 16, 17, that's not actually going to reflect in terms of the gender pay gap in an organisation. Forget 15, like 50 years. Then they've got to get into the organisation. Then they've they've got to work their way up. And then... I mean, at the lower level. You see what I'm saying? Until there's a position of equalisation. And so we're really looking at... I mean... Again, I kind of the reason why I went on around that time was because lots of organisations were it was equal pay day that time. They were talking about gender pay, and they were talking about gender pay, and they were saying, "Look, there's a twenty percent gender pay gap. This is why we need to talk about equal pay." And it's like these are two very different, different, different things. things. And to be honest, a lot of organisations, again going back to UCL where I worked before, I'm not going to give out the statistics because I don't think they've published them yet. But um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the gender pay gap is actually is 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 I don't want to say considerable, but it's it's certainly in the it's above ten percent. Let me put it that way. But when you looked at equal pay across each band, it was negligible. It was like one two percent. Again, why? Because with it, they've got a strict pay band structure. Within those banding structures, the gap between men and women really isn't that much. Um, but again, when you look at over across. Um, across the organisation, there are a lot more male professors. Mm. There was a lot more. Um, men in um, places of university administration and so mm. on and so forth. And so, again, when you looked at the gender pay, the overall gender pay gap, there was a large gap. So saying that there's a massive gap in gender pay and so we need to focus on equal pay is, 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 is a disingenuous conversation to have, to be honest. It's arbitrary. Um, it's, it's arbitrary. The, the, the two statistics really have very little to do with each other. And I think it's really important to kind of understand what you're actually looking at mm. in order to tackle it because, again... Just to explain, if, if there is an equal pay issue, again, I, I just want to put this out to everyone listening because your company, if they haven't already, you can check online. Just type in um, gender pay gap reporting and you can see if your companies have to publish this information by the 31st of March, I think, mm. um, 2018 for their 16 to 17 year. If they're above pop- 250. If they're above 250 employees and they'll need to do that mm. year on year going mm. forward. Um so I just lost my train of thought. Um, oh yeah, so if you have a look online and you see there's a big gender pay gap, that might be an issue. I'm not saying that's not an issue. It, you can you can read it however you want, but that's not now a reason to think that you're you've been discriminated against or that 
um, men are getting paid more than you for doing the same job. It's if you do feel like there's an issue in terms of that, that would be an equal pay issue. That's something you can actually take your employer to court over. Mm. They'd have to give you money for and so on and so forth. Um, equal pay is something that you can quite kind of easily fix with a lever in terms of mm. if 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 you do find that men are paid 5% more than women for doing exactly the same job, you really could just give all the women 5% more if you've got the money to afford it. But mm. you can give them that money and equalise the statistics. Mm. With gender pay, you really can't do... I mean, the best thing you can do really is fire all your low-paid women and that might bring up... Yeah. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So um, we need to look at these two statistics as two very different things and we can't treat them the same. Um, and I guess I think the issue is in general and I think that's kind of getting to what you're, you're saying is that we are being quite disingenuous by talking about the gender pay gap and saying that means there's an equal pay issue, that means you're being discriminated against, that means X, Y, Z, because it really doesn't. It, I'm not saying this is because I'm a man and I'm trying to deny what's yeah. going on. Yeah, like, it's just for these, people, these are for different issues. Don't know, people may see me as one person who's a bit more senile and a bit more hard body when it comes to economic dams. It's the complete opposite. Like, he is proper pro people. So, this is <laughs> yeah, It's true. It's true. Yeah. You're, you're, like, you're, like, you're a lot of more let's say, empathetic than me. But this is, is, is an accuracy issue. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. And back to the accuracy, like, um, so one of my gripes when people discuss gender pay is that they don't really look at the nuances and the society balances. So as we're talking about um, how men and women are different, women are more likely to work part-time. So when I was looking at part-time work, 42% of women are working part-time. So that's four out of every 10 you see. Mm. Whereas 12%, of men are working part-time mm. this is probably a lot to do with um work-life balances um, especially with women being a primary carer mm. of um of their children so especially if like if a woman reaches let's say mid-20s or 30s she has a child she wants to see the child nurture i mean nurture her child save money on nursery costs blah 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 they're more likely to go part-time than um than a man so if you have this issue what we understand is that people get paid of their productivity like companies pay people of productivity and why you can't say this because a company wouldn't knowingly pay you more than what you produce because they'll be losing money and also productivity is also linked to the amount of hours work men tend to work way more hours so if you look at the, the there's a there's a considerable gap in terms of the gender pay as the loose of a stat is in terms of full-time work but if you look at um, the pay between price and term, sorry, in terms of per hour, in between ten to thirty working hours per week, women actually get paid slightly more than men because mm-hmm. obviously they're probably in that part-time field for a longer period of time mm-hmm. and have grown, um, kind of um, graduated up that field for a longer period of time. Whereas men will, in obviously they they're more substantial in terms of numbers in full-time pay. So it's very important to when we discuss these issues, okay, let's take a step back and actually think about them and think about how society is constructed. And as you said, it's going to take generations to change. Like, I was even talking on a marriage podcast that in the last 10, 20 years, the number of women getting, who are married for the first time at age 40 has gone from like 2 to 4% up to, I think it's 12, 8 or 12%. Mm-hmm. So that's like almost doubled or quadrupled mm-hmm. simply because society's changing there's more information women are taking it there's um fertility treatments are better women are taking their time they're being more career savvy more interested in, in developing themselves and developing their finances so society is slowly making making that transition mm. and i and i'm not trying to discredit the p- potential of wrongdoing in terms of discrimination because mm-hmm. I don't for a minute believe there's no element of discrimination especially mm. in terms of having a glass ceiling for mm-hmm. women and ethnic minorities in terms mm-hmm. of especially uh, breaching the, the yeah, upper echelon of life yeah. but to look at data and to automatically attribute it solely to wrong do, yeah. wrong do. I, I, and again, if, if it's the equal pay then we have a discussion yeah, yeah. And, and, and that kind of goes back to the point in terms of when it is equal pay that's something you can actually take your employer to call for you have a when it's gender pay it, it, it's not so much and I think the other thing as well is that I think sometimes we're not Again, I can only really speak from a man's perspective, but sometimes I feel like we're not really having an honest conversation in terms of what people actually want to do. So again, going back to that discussion in terms of um, people working Mm. part-time versus full-time and women working more part-time hours than men and so on and so forth. um, 
I don't know how else to put this other than in general we see the stereotype women are a lot more nurturing women are a lot more likely to want to care for or, or be primary carers of their kids anyway or, or their elderly I've or seen their women elderly, are, are, exactly. are dominate in terms of taking care of elderly people exactly now, and disabled people right exactly now. now some of these things are kind of societal pressures if mm. that makes any sense in mm. terms of we've come up with the gender roles that women should be doing these things and mm. men should be doing those things yes that is true to to an extent but also at the end of the day people are making individual decisions based on their individual circumstances based mm. on their personal circumstances and when we look at these quite large statistics it's very difficult to kind of make really meet I, I don't want to say meaningful generalizations but the generalizations we do make they they kind of their generalizations we need to kind of take them with a bit of a pinch of salt um it's not there's not actually an inherent problem mm. with women wanting to take more time off mm. to look after family members and so mm. on and so forth yeah. um that might be great for people's families for people's family structures that might be great for the people actually being cared for mm. and so on and so forth um and so i think sometimes we kind of we talk about things as though they're an issue because they don't work well in terms of the gender pay statistics but outside of outside of the stats there are reasons why these things happen and sometimes I feel like we don't really have an honest discussion about why these things do happen and whether or not these things are actually good for society or in turn bad for society um but yeah I think I think I think too many general I think we're looking at it from the lens of we need to fix the gender pay gap therefore anything that doesn't contribute towards that is is a bad thing Mm. and what I'm trying to say is that it doesn't. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It really doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that we need to just about regarding to this? Anything else you'd like to add? I mean, what what I'll say in general in terms of in terms of gender pay, um, specifically, and why personally I think it's important that there is less of a gender pay gap, less because of the actual statistics and more in terms of representation. Mm. I think obviously, like I said, I, I kind of do equality and diversity. I studied HR. Um, and one of my modules in diversity, I kind of created a little niche for myself in that in that mm. type of lane. And the important thing about diversity is just the diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, diversity of perspective. Queen, you said, you in? Uh, I think she was a black lady. Where was she working? I think it was Apple. Yeah. She got into a big issue. I think she might have even lost a job or something. She was talking about when people talk about diversity. I think in I think it was a white woman. I think I know the head of diversity said something about. No, she was white. I think she was black. Well, are you talking about the situation where the head of diversity kind of said that when she's talking about diversity, she's not just talking about ethnic minorities. Mm. And diversity of ideas. Of ideas, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really what diversity is about. Mm. Now, the point is, is that I think the reason why she got fired is that it's it's almost like when we look at diversity, it's, it's, it's almost like a Black Lives Matter situation. <laughs> and what she kind of came out with is all lives matter. Mm. We need to think about everyone. Mm. And But the problem is is that there's an issue with black lives. Mm. There's an issue with these minorities. Mm. And and as as the head of diversity, it's your job really to try and sort out. Okay. And so by coming out and saying, no, we need to think about everyone, effectively, it's like saying all lives matter and negating yeah, the fact that there's real issues for certain groups and of that's people. Job exactly. So I think that was kind of the issue. But what she was saying, to be honest, is is right. Yeah. Really, that's, that's, that's what I thought. I only saw the headline. I saw yeah. the slip. I was like, but yeah, because I, I mean, just to give some context, kind of what she was saying was that you can have a room full of white men and it'd be really diverse because one might be working class, one might be super rich. One might be. I say, I say this all the time, for example, like I say, um, even with my friendship group, like we're all different. Yeah, we're all we're all black males between the ages of X to yeah. Y. We all kind of grew up in the same environments. We yeah. listen to the same music. We probably dress pretty similar. But yeah. in terms of ideology and ideas, yeah. we are quite diverse. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, sometimes I, I do understand the sentiment where you, just because they look the same, they yeah. could be completely different. But go on, carry yeah, on. so, um, but anyway, I, I said all of that to say this in terms of it's important basically to have mm. diverse organizations at the top. Um, one, in terms of, I think, in terms of business output, the quote-unquote business case for diversity is that when you do have a multitude of thoughts and minds and perspectives together Mm. you're likely to create a better product Product, um but then also besides that um the reason why we talk about diversity and equality and so on and so forth is because 
as in at the top, is because you kind of need that representation. You need people in positions of power who can identify with particular issues to help solve them. Mm. So, for example, I'm a black man. Um, it's helpful if I have black men at the top of the organisation because they know what it's like to be a black man mm. in the organisation. They can then have an impact in our recruitment um, exercises or our, or our um, performance management or whatever where they've seen going through the system that there are elements of discrimination mm. um, that nice. could be eliminated. So it's, it, it is important to have a, load, a small... Or decreased or negligible gender pay gap in terms of having more diversity, more diversity at the top of an organisation. But at the end of the day, it really is just a number. Like again, you can you can have you can have ten C-suite people, ten mm. senior executives, um, eight are women, two are men, three get fired or three decide to leave or three retire. They're replaced by three men. Your whole statistics change. change completely. The numbers, to some extent, are are I don't want to say arbitrary because they they do mean something and they are important, but they they are just numbers. Yeah, significance um, isn't as much as the significance of like, equal pay. Of equal pay, but also of reality. Yeah. Like wh- why why do you want these numbers there in the first place? And I think I think I think, it's, I think it's, 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 I, I, my personal belief is that. Is easy to understand and digest, and also it's become weaponized as political. Because exactly, it, I, th- I, th- I think it makes for a great headline. It makes for a great punchline. Yeah, there's no way these politicians and people and the, the um, people who these public speakers, I refuse to believe that they have seen this. Okay, there's a they've seen gender pay. Their advisors or whatnot didn't go and have a look because if you go and have any sort of look at any sort of study and article, then they start breaking some context of things. Well, and then, uh, you know that context. Uh, if, if, if I'm 100% honest with you, as someone that works in in this industry or sector or whatever, you'd be surprised by how many people are completely ignorant as to what gender pay is or what equal pay is or what the difference is. I had someone come... Ignor- ignorance proper rattles me, you know. I mean, I, I had someone come up to me, to, to, I probably shouldn't talk too much about it, but they were talking to me about possibly working with them after I finished my contract where I am now, um, about looking at gender pay and equal pay. And they'd set up a social enterprise about looking at all this thing and so mm. on and so forth. And speaking to them, it became really apparent to me that they didn't really know what they were talking about. And, I, I, and, I don't, and and th- their intentions were good in terms of what they wanted to do was bring yeah. out more balance in terms of men and women and so on and so forth. But in terms of when it comes to these statistics, what they mean, why they're important and so on and so forth, they were quite ignorant. And I think the honest truth is, is that, again... I see, I see people write stuff about pay because uh, I work in pay and reward. I see the media specifically write stuff about pay, um, how people are um, rewarded, their remuneration and so on and so forth. And I could tell from reading the article that you journalists know, know, doesn't know, know what they're, they're talking about. about. Um, a lot of times when people go up and speak about gender pay, equal pay and so on and so forth, they don't... When I say they don't know what they're talking about, I mean specifically in terms of these terms, what the numbers mean, what the significance of these numbers are and so on and so forth. And, I mean, that's why I ended up going on that run on Twitter. But I think, in general, you'd be surprised how many people really just don't understand this stuff. That's why um, this is out here to, to, feed the, to, feed the to feed the streets with information because... Yeah, maybe it's just me just kind of overestimating because I, because I, my post, okay, you got like a lot of like maybe like the kind of like the feminist segment. I feel like them is less, it's less, um, it's not malicious. I just believe it's just come from a lack of understanding of the data provided yeah. and being manipulated. So they're coming from a place of love that they want to see equalization in society, mm. which I understand. But when I see it from members of Parliament, like I remember Obama was banging about. I was thinking, bro, you're too smart, and your advice are too smart. Like this, to me, is bait face propaganda. And but again, I mean, when, when we're talking about politicians, when we're talking about the media and so on and so forth, it's true. It's a headline. It's at a the line. end of the day, I, 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 don't, I really don't mean to say this. I don't say this to trivialize these issues, but at the same time, you've got to understand that it's saying good. that there's an eighteen percent gap. It's a headline. It's a headline. It grabs your attention. It makes you think. It makes you talk and so on and so forth. So mm. a lot of times these figures are used to cause shock, to, to grab attention, to the whatever. Day, that was almost the other day. Some a couple of journalists from um, Guardian actually wasted their... Maybe not wasted their time because they got the attention they want, but like intellectually wasted their time to type an article about the gender pay gap issue in football, which is... Which is, yeah. to me, if you take 
maybe. Yeah, I, I, I saw you tweeting. About it's just it, yeah. it's bizarre. So they're using Neymar's example. Yeah. Who is the, in my opinion, the second best football in the world. Yeah. At worst, third. Arguably third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, top three. I'd say second. Top, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Top three in terms of marketability yeah. in a multi-billion-dollar industry. Yeah. He's got the second. I think. No, no, that's Ronaldo. Ronaldo's got like Neymar's got like sixty million followers on Instagram. Da, yeah. da, da. So he's getting paid like seven hundred bags. Yeah. For those who don't know, um, seven hundred grand a week, a week yeah. which is astronomical. Yeah. And believe it or not, footballers are underpaid because they're getting companies are making a profit. Out of yeah. Them. There's a, about a, a humongous. Profit so out for example, them. like PSG, I think they probably made about three to four hundred million euros, or maybe even five hundred million euros last year. How many members of staff do you think there's in PSG? Probably about forty. Yeah. So you've got a lot of admin staff, like caretakers, all those stuff. The real actual people who actually drive the business yeah. are the footballers and the board so yeah. think about like let's say 600 million revenue divided by 20 30 people yeah. like they're still getting bumped anyway yeah. so she um so the the, the um the young lady or, or whatever she may be she did an article saying um you, there's 100 1613 players in england wales Germany and all sort of played that their salaries combined makes Neymar's. I'm like that's perfectly fine because if you look at and she's like oh if you look at the viewership for the World Cup last Women's World Cup yeah. 750 million people viewed the yeah, World I Cup that, yeah. so I was like okay cool so, but you didn't mention the men's because you're comparing it yeah. to the men's game the men's game 3.8 million I think that viewed the Women's World Cup in, in Germany yeah 750 million but it was 3.8 billion. In fact, there was almost as many people viewed the men's World Cup final than the women's World Cup in general. And if you look at sponsorship, because yeah. the real thing is That's money. What drives it, yeah. Seven, the women's game had um, grown $17 million in terms of sponsorships. Yeah. The men's game was $520 million. Yeah. And, 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 and also, one of the most egregious things is the fact that in every single article that I've seen these people write about the gender... Sorry, I have to write about it because yeah, it's, so, <laughs> it's so ridiculous, yeah? Yeah. In every, in every single article that I've seen, they've never discussed, like, how many people actually watch the game attendance-wise. So, for example, in, in the WPL, so that's the Women's Premier League, yeah. which is the top league, the average attendance for a game is 1,100 people. Yeah. In League 2, which is the fourth tier of English football, average attendance is 4.5, yeah? Yeah. And I even forget that. There is a salary cap in England, and there's a salary cap in America in terms of the women's game. There is a salary cap. If the company makes 500 bags a year... Yeah. They can't pay more than a certain amount. There is no salary cap in football. So if Manchester United make a billion pounds revenue, they if they want pay. to, they, yeah. there's not there's not even the means. So that's yeah. what. So that, I think that's what. I mean, that's a silly example. But I mean, no, no, no. I, mean I, I the thing is, I I completely agree, and I think again, the kind of issue is is that. One, again, we're not really having honest discussions, and 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 and, 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 and aside from that, I think really. Really, this discussion should be around why it is that we seem to value male occupations, male. So again, going back to what I said in terms of market supplements and so on and so forth. I think I think there's. I don't think it's that we value them more. No, no, no. Definitely, I think more higher value. The the thing is, is that you're you're right and you're you're wrong to some extent. Or I think you're right and you're wrong. Um, And why I say that is revenue generating things quite rightly should make a lot of money um and therefore there's there's or ra- rather revenue generating industries make a lot of money and so quite rightly their staff should be paid so on and so forth out of whatever that is the question is is why as a society we don't place a high value on caring industries for example so for example social carers or teachers or whatever I don't know how it's been decided what the rates should be for a teacher, but why is it as a society we value that the work of a teacher, which is really super important for our society, training our young and our youth, should only be worth 30k a year, whereas doing a deal of whatever transaction should be worth X amount a year. I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. I'll do. At the end of the day, like, um, let me put it this way. I get what you're saying and I agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying that I think clearly there is an, or, or not clearly there is, but there's a discussion to be made about the undervaluing of certain industries that tend to be overwhelmingly dominated by women. Mm. Not to say that other industries are quote unquote overvalued. Mm. So, for example, if you're working in financial services or you're working in engineering or the oil and gas industry or so on, or the energy industry, for 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 good reason these things do generate a lot of revenue mm. and so and so it makes sense as to why their staff are paid Higher. so much but in terms of why then other people are paid so little 
where it's overwhelmingly dominated by women is a question when we look at sports or whatever why as a society why is it we value male sports and male sports stars over women's sports and women's sports stars you see i was thinking about that like for example most people follow the the nba Mm. even in the a lot of young black i don't give a damn about it but a lot of young black men follow the nba in, in in the uk people follow the nba in america and across the world I've never, I have no idea what netball looks like. I've never seen it. I've actually watched netball. Netball's actually quite a to watch. It might be, but I, I don't know anything about it. I, I, I don't even know where I, I can it, find it. It, it. Again, comes from and again, that's that's a women's game. That's a men's game. But it again, comes from like social roles, and also I think like one of the key differentials where it'll be hard in terms of sport. Yeah. Apart, apart from tennis, because even tennis, they kind of, they've kind of, they've. I swear they equalise. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, which to me, even though the women's ten, tennis players, I think in terms of sports, from what I've seen, that there's men and women play. Yeah. There's a less, in, I think there's a less of a difference in skill. Yeah. In women's tennis and men's tennis, like yeah. women's tennis are bad. But obviously, they play less sets, so they yeah. work less. But I don't mind that because women's tennis is actually a very high That's level right, sport. Yeah. But I think because of how different men and women are physically yeah. in terms of sports because sports is based mainly on primarily on yeah, athleticism yeah, yeah. like if you watch a men's football game and a women's football game of the highest level you see the complete difference yeah, like, yeah. for example I think it was the women's it happened to the women's um, USA team and the Australian USA team they play like the under 16s and they got smacked like 7-0 12-0 and when I think about it, I was thinking okay when I was 17 I was 6 foot like I still grew, but I still six foot. Mm. My little brother, he's seventeen. He's six foot two. Mm. Like these are young men, and yeah. they're quick and they're fast. So because of physical. like that, yeah, because yeah. of the high, like even you, you probably you wouldn't watch a testimonial because no. it'll be too slow yeah. for you. And my bear of us don't even watch international football because yeah. it's too slow. So I think in terms of kind of consumer, no, I mean again to be honest, I, I understand that. More, more so, the the, the gen- general point that I'm making is that if we want to look at these things and the differentials between the payment of men and payment of women um i think more the question should be around how and why we determine how people are paid in these different things or, well, I, I, or, how, or how and why we gravitate to certain things or how and why we have an interest in certain things or a passion mm-hmm. in certain things and so on and so forth because at the end of the day and i spoke about it earlier really and you spoke about it it's, it's a market rate it's a market mm. value these things are determined by the quote-unquote market the question is what are the forces quote-unquote quote, behind the market? the market and so i think that I, the I, problem I, is that we have a discussion looking at the market and saying discrimination when really what we should be having is a discussion about know, what the things behind the, the market, market and what's driving it and whether those are discrimination or as you're saying it's because of physicality it's because of performance it's because of xyz and that's what i mean by disingenuous conversations we're 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 looking at evidence and and ascribing it to certain conclusions that really aren't a conclusion in an in an organization versus correlation this is why this one but anyway back to the discussion we're discussing in terms of like the forces of the market i think like um, in terms of like when you mentioned the care thing, like I mentioned it in in a demand supply, uh, my demand supply podcast, and I referenced, mm. I said, if a human being had the choice between being entertained, which is sport, or which is um, um, media, mm-hmm. music, well, that kind of comes to media, and or caring for somebody, there's what's what we're gonna choose. You you're gonna choose entertainment every time. Yeah. So I think that's what. So when you look at the more like the care industry. There isn't really like a demand. Cause I think the main issue is capitalism. The, the way capitalism is, yeah. we place a higher, we place a, such a high value on the monetary on finances is that that's how we're driven. Yeah. So, if you look at society, we're driven by money. So if you're like an oil trader, you're generating money, so you're to get paid. And the people in the industry, like the companies, they will pay you a higher rate because they're okay. Cool. If I give them any a hundred grand plus a commission of let's say one point five percent, yeah. That's calm because I know he's going to make he's me gonna, 40 yeah. million in yeah, a year. Yeah. So yeah. I'm making a profit. Whereas if you look at the more, let's say, educational sector, um, there isn't there isn't that kind of money generation from it. And also, yeah. another point is to also look at the skill level and what you need to learn. So although I agree teachers play such a crucial role and forget the actual teaching them because I think like the curriculums could be a bit more advanced and a bit yeah. more um, inclusive of people who learn in different ways. But the fact that kids spend the majority of their life at that age in school yeah. it's such a because teachers are essentially nurturing and 
um, teaching yeah. these kids and how to live their life because they spent the majority of their time in school so it's a yeah. very important job but then again if you look at what it requires to be in that job in terms of like maybe academic level or skill level it might not be the same but as again what... th- those are things that are being determined Ex- by that's society yeah, but so it... th- that's a decision that mm-hmm. we've made well, I say we but that's a decision that society so, so, so made so, yeah, as to what the educational qualification education needs to, to be, be of to be a primary school teacher mm-hmm. or a secondary school teacher we've determined mm-hmm. how smart we want our teachers to be yeah. and what kind of qualifications but also, I, th- I, so I, I, I think so also that also then plays into the demand and supply issue because Let's say, okay, we want to make, to be a teacher, a lot more specialist, right? Yeah. And I say, okay, cool. You're going to have to be, let's say, PhD level, something arbitrary and yeah, to speak yeah. four languages. Not yeah. like how these stupid grad yeah, schemes. Yeah. 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 yeah, you must be, yeah, yeah, yeah. you must have um, ex- um, experience of 10 years, even though you're a graduate. <laughs> yeah. And you can speak Arabic, Swahili, and all sorts. Yeah. So let's say we make it those ridiculous, typical yeah. city of London um, yeah, grad yeah. scheme expectations. Then you'll see the demand, the supply of teachers rapidly drop because not everybody's going to be able to, to, to do meet it, yeah. And then you have how many kids in the country? I think there's, when I'm looking at figures, there are like more than a million teachers in total yeah. across the country. You're not going to have a million people of that level of height. But again, this it's a societal decision. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if if society wants it to happen, you can roll out mass government training schemes, you can so on and so mm. Like the government does it all the time. Mm. When it wants to focus in certain industries, when it wants to so on and so forth, it upskills, it trains, and mm. so on. And so it's not to say that we can't do it it's not to say let me put it this way is that i don't really think that a lot and i hear what you're saying but i don't really think that a lot of these issues are inherently driven by the market i mean they are but I mean, only because we've placed a I, value I, I, I on think, certain sorry, things i think they're driven by the, the societal structure that we have which is capitalism yeah where but but this one even within a capitalist society there are some there are some countries capitalist countries where teachers are paid two three times more by the government that mm. is than than over here in the united kingdom why because that's what that, that society, society has more. decided to value prioritize and so on and so forth so it, it really again it really boils down to what we as a society value mm. and the question is why is it that we value certain things over other things mm. that's a whole dissertation in yeah. itself that I, i'm not i'm not well, qualified we'll, to answer we'll, but we'll come back to that another yeah. time but anyway it's coming up to like an hour God damn, but yeah, dance, my G. Podcast, yeah. It's been a... Thanks for joining me. No problem, so, no problem. Do, do, we, do you want people to find you? Because I'm sure you're going to have a podcast coming um, in the pipeline. Yeah, so I've got a podcast coming, um, inshallah, we'll see. I don't even know what I'm saying, inshallah, I'm not Muslim, but <laughs> inshallah, we'll see. Um, I've got a podcast coming, cheeky plug called Hidden Figures. Um, it's about, if you don't mind, I'm just going to tell your audience about it no um, that's why I okay you. thank you yeah i got i got a podcast coming called hidden figures um the success behind the story behind the success the idea is to interview um have an in-depth interview with um a very successful uh, uh black people from the generations before us who've done amazing things some of them on the queen's honors list um but they're people we just don't know about we don't know their story we've never really heard from them it's kind of just about finding out what it was like growing up in in another in, in a time before us um learning about what kind of difficulties they face what kind of racism they might have faced what what sexism they might have faced what discriminations they've faced um if they've been through a divorce what that's like um what, what it's like having kids what it's like being a single mom at 21 and having your own property empire what, whatever the case is it's just kind of getting getting these gems from the older generation passing them down um and getting us to learn and understand about that so if you can keep a watch out for that um you can follow me um on twitter at known as dams um dams with a z yeah dams with a z or just ask me i'll, I'll put you yeah, through. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna link i'm gonna link um his twitter to my to the description and also when these podcast drops it'll be in the description of all of my podcasts because thank you very much that podcast is going to be very important I, i've i very much look forward to putting it out there yeah. um but yeah I, th- I think there'll be a lot of gems there's a lot of i, I, I kind of just want people to start let me put it this way yeah sorry i'm going off topic now but um sometimes i feel like as as black people we focus too much on what we don't have um on 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 what privileges we don't have on 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 the power we don't have and i think this this podcast is really an opportunity to celebrate what we do yeah, have what 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 people have what barriers people have broke down before us to put us in position um what platforms we've now been set up to um what what difficulties other people have have gone through so that we don't have to go through um 
and and so on and so forth and it's it's really about celebrating those who've come before us but also about um making sure that knowledge that information is really passed down so that we can benefit from that so um yeah i'm really excited about it and i look forward to 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 you lot listening to it don't know so make sure you check out for that if you listen to on soundclouds please please follow me on soundcloud so my podcast will come into your feed naturally and retweet that'd be nice if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or you have the Apple Podcast app, it is a purple app called Podcast. <laughs> I think I think you should, I think if you are an um, Apple um, user, so if you got it on your MacBook or your iMac or your iPad or your iPhone, I think it's better or to iPod. use or iPod. Yeah, I think it's better to use this app because at least that way the podcast can be automatically downloaded. And you know SoundCloud, if you listen to something and you stop, you have to start again. If you close the app, well, obviously with the podcast app, it remembers it. Yeah. So just search me, Dysonomics on sound on the on apple Podcasts, and or i'll link you to it and also subscribe so the podcast comes to you automatically and give me a review if my podcast is jazz i really don't want you to say it but, <laughs> but, but say it and give me a rating if you don't want to give me a rating just give me a young five star you're, you're done though but anyway thank you for listening and i'll be back next week god bless top five top five top five sports social podcast network